Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Andy Gordon, welcome to the Black Diamond Podcast. Thanks, Eric. Glad, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have you. I appreciate you taking the time out as we were discussing, uh, you know, before the call. You got uh, you're in the startup phase in a business. You got two kids homeschooling. You got stuff going on, man. This is uh, this is COVID twenty twenty. Welcome to the party. Yeah, it's it's a new dance for all of us, um, and it's been a it's been an interesting learning curve for. For the kids and the parents alike, but we're uh, we're making do. So yeah, so give everyone yeah, making do. That's like the theme of the year. And for people, uh, you know, just referencing today's recording date is is de- December first, twenty twenty. So I always uh, I've been doing that a lot lately on these podcasts because who knows what December second is going to bring this year? <laughs> it seems like uh, we're just used to a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's great to connect with you. I think, you know, initially we, we chatted, um, you know, via LinkedIn and just being business people in, in the great state of Montana and having very, uh, you know, I guess similar values when it comes to business and, and entrepreneurship and, uh, all that good stuff. I'm, I'm excited for this conversation. So, you know, generally where, where we kick things off, Andy is just give us your background, man. How'd you, how'd you get to where you are now? Sure. So, uh, Montana native, um, actually from Helena originally, which is where, uh, the internet finds me today at my house here. Um, but sort of did some traveling around, um, uh, spent, uh, the better part of a decade down in Colorado, right in Denver, um, from about 2000 till the end of 2007 or 2008, I guess early. And, um, and then circled back to Montana. I'm the typical Montana boomerang kid, I guess. Um, and, uh, and wanted to, you know, after you grow up here and you, you, you try, try mightily to, to move away and go out and have some fun in the world. And, and then you realize uh, just how good you had it. And, and, you know, sometimes we, we have kiddos along the way and you want to give them the upbringing that you had in the, the wilds of Montana. So you try like hell to get back. And, um, and so that's what we did. Um, professionally, you know, I've, uh, I sort of have a, a, a tale of two careers a little bit. Um, I, for the first 14 years of my professional career, I worked for a, a global consulting engineering firm called CDM Smith. I'm not an engineer, uh, but I was a I specialized in geospatial information systems, a GIS guy. Uh, so lots of cartography, lots of database manipulation and all that fun stuff in a typical corporate cubicle environment and uh, got really, really tired of that by, by year 14 and um, had really kind of been trying to stretch my legs on the that typical nights and weekends path um, with some side hustles and, and working with other people on their startups, um, a fitness startup and, and doing more marketing and sales work um, 
client facing stuff and really found that I enjoyed that. And so made the definitive switch in late 2014 and started my first uh, sort of real, real startup, if you will, kind of burn the boats, uh, quit the, the day job and, and went full time and uh, with a group of other guys and started a, a mergers and acquisitions advisory firm, which uh, was kind of funny because I had zero background in that, if you can <laughs> tell. Um, but it was, it was really, really fun. The hell of a learning curve got me out in front of clients and customers and prospective customers and, and, and scratching that itch. And then found also that, you know, I had a, a sort of a newfound love of, uh, finance, finance and financial services in general and sort of the, uh, economic infrastructure of the world, if you will. And so have been, um, st- stayed in the sales and marketing gig, uh, gigs sort of, Ever since then, uh, if, if not with my companies, with other folks, uh, small, generally small biz- businesses and, and other startups, um, and and so spent the the last, well, last certainly last six years, but I always say uh, the the majority of this decade honing that sort of uh, skill set and and um, starting up and and building teams and. Uh, effective leadership and sort of uh, being a student of that game, um, which is continues now. Um, actually, just as I told you, uh, within the last two weeks, uh, with a new role in a, a relative startup uh, as a sales director for Quantum Business Solutions, a financial services firm out of Missoula, Montana. Um, and we're actually right in the process of rebranding. So we're going to be called Endeavor Financial Insights from now on. But um, excited for this role. Um, and you know, even though we don't necessarily advertise it, we do have a sort of definitive, uh, specialty in the cannabis space, which I know is kind of a, a hot topic given the, uh, the slew of ballot initiatives that just passed with the 2020 ele- election cycle around the country, uh, more and more States are, are having sort of legalization statutes, uh, on the books. And it's, it's fun to be in a, a wild West type space like that now. Yeah. Yeah. Wild West is right. It's, uh, you know, I, you know, look at that. I'm, uh, how do I put this? I am not naive to cannabis. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's been uh, in my life since, you know, really teenage years. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen it evolve from this, like, you know, hush uh, hush thing, right? Um, now to, it's, it's wide in the open. And I remember in, I think it was probably circa 2010 when I was in Santa Barbara, California, when the first medical dispensary opened and, uh, I walked in and I was just blown away. Like I couldn't believe it was happening. Right. Like what, like you can just walk in and it was, it was, we joked, it was kind of like everyone had like their hat down low and, you know, no one wanted to <laughs> see each other cause you're afraid you'd see someone, you know, and, um, and now how different it is, right? I mean, it's, it's talked about all the time. It's like, uh, people who I know who would have, I don't know, I'm not going to say against cannabis, but maybe misunderstood it or like, Oh, I take an edible every night with my wife. Right. Like that's right. just, that's just the way things are. And it's, it's crazy how fast it seemed to go from underground to mainstream and now, you know, the education. And now, of course, as you mentioned, you know, with what you guys are doing, you're tackling some of the bigger growing pains that the industry is, is seeing. So I definitely want to tackle that. And one of the things I want to ask you, because I think we're both, you know, at heart, you know, kind of just business development guys, right? Like I, you know, I do coaching and I, I do some 
sales work and I, I do a lot of things. Podcasting is obviously a great hobby of mine. Um, but business development is really what I enjoy doing. It's where my mind goes whenever I look at a business. What do you think, you know, when you look at, you've been doing this for a long time too, what do you think are the qualities that make for a good business development salesperson? Well, you know, I think it might sound, it's probably going to sound cliche, uh, but, you know, I think first and foremost, you got to be, you got to be curious, eternally curious. Mm -hmm. um, and coupled with that, you have to be a, a great listener. Um, you know, you, you got to have a, uh, if you got those first two qualities, you're, you're more than half the way there, I think, of being an, an excellent uh, sales and marketing person, uh, business development person. I think that, um, you know, uh, part of it too, obviously, <laughs> at the end of the day, you got to have a nose for the nose for the football, as, a, as a, they used to say, right? And you got to kind of know how to get after it, find the pain points and, you know, within a reasonable, um, with reasonable timing, understand uh, whether or not you can help, help folks. And, you know, I think that the other, the other huge thing that I've had to learn over and over and, and still, you know, I'm a student every day, you know, 1% better every day. There's no, no such thing as perfect in my world. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the other thing that you, you have to have a certain humility to understand if you can't help folks and you got to be okay with that. You got to be, you know, and I, I think leading with that sort of authenticity in a sales cycle and understanding and putting it right out there and with a potential client or a prospect and saying, you know, it might, if, if it's not a good fit, that's fine. You know, um, if I can help you and even if we don't consummate some sort of deal and I, but you walk away, uh, you know, better for the interaction. Fantastic. I still win. I feel good about it. And hopefully the other person does too. So I think coming with that sort of, uh, mentality lends lends to the authenticity of the sale, uh, which is a lot different than you know some of the the, the visions that folks conjure up of, of used car salesmen or you know hard sale tactics and and other sort of things that, that give the that give the game a bad name, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's interesting. I think so. You know, my first ten years of my um, I guess career out of college was all different kinds of sales, right? And you get this education on, <clears throat> you know, closing tactics and, uh, you know, all these things that, you know, just sound very aggressive, right? Like hunter killer type things. And I found that over the years, that's all it's like, if I really pushed to get a yes, like I was really just like, well, I got to close them. I got to get that signature, right? That what happens is you get a false yes many times and then, and then you get ghosted. Right. So people are maybe, you know, uh, and here's the other thing. If you're a business owner and you can't look around at your staff and point out who the salesperson is, you are the salesperson. Right. So get used to it. <laughs> you know, everybody's got to do sales and business development, especially if you're in business for yourself or, you know, a, a part of an entrepreneurial team. Everybody sells. Right. Uh, so that's that's been a huge. I think you pointed out something that's really valuable is if you, you know, I've learned if I just focus on being someone of value and not being worried about necessarily closing the sale today or even next week, but just educating, listening, asking more questions, seeing if it's the right fit and having almost like you're almost trying to talk someone out of a sale, right? In a weird way uh, that you become much more effective. It's I can't explain why the psychology that is. We call it the buyer's mindset when I work with uh, mentoring business owners is you know, you got to go in there as if you're buying that client, like you're investing in them. 
And when you start asking questions like that, it shifts the whole, I guess, mindset of the conversation. And it's, it's far more effective because as you both and I, and we both know is, you know, someone may say, you know, now is not a good time or this is a no right now, but you never know when that person moves to a different company or maybe the circumstance changes or budgets flow a different way. You always want to be on the radar. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a, just sounds like a sign of maturity, Andy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you want to be memorable, right? Because you could say you never know which, which, you know, when the next rock's going to get turned over and, and all of a sudden, you know, opportunities do flow your way and you got to be ready to catch them. And yeah. part of that is tending to your network. And the part of that, which is amazing, an amazing sort of uh, benefit of sales and marketing in general, um, is that you, you develop authentic relationships or and in, in, even if there are one or two, two time, you know, interactions with folks, if you are authentic, you're more memorable and you know i'm likely to my signal's likely to get through that noise with somebody and yeah i've had folks two three years down the road call me up out of the blue only ever met them like remotely say like online sort of like our situation and be like hey i've been following you ever since our last conversation and you know i've i've recently changed careers or i've got a client that needs exactly what you're doing right now um, it actually just happened to me. I'll tell you what, it just happened with this job. I'm two weeks into this role, sort of trying to to build out our, our internal sales infrastructure and everything else. And I had randomly had a, a friend and an in-network friend. So a little more than, you know, just a friendly acquaintance, but still I hadn't spoken to him in a while. And, you know, right off the bat, I kind of tell him what I'm doing. He's like, okay, well, I, you know, I have a client right now in the cannabis space and we're actually, uh, sell side representation on their deal. They're selling their company right now and they need exactly the kind of services that you guys are providing. So why don't you get in touch with the CEO? Right. And it's, it, I don't know if, you know, it's not a done deal. There's no ink on a page or anything like that, but I will say it's a fantastic lead. And the fact that uh, our mutual friend was able to connect us like that, I mean, that's the warmest intro you'll ever get. And it was because we have an authentic relationship and it's not transactional. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. Do you, have you ever read the book, The Go-Giver? Yes. Yes, I have. It's, uh, it's my, yes. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite. It's the most, uh, it's my most gifted book, which means I've given it to the most people. Uh, I give it to a lot of my new clients. I give it, used to give it to people, um, in my gym. I, I just really believe in, and I guess if I was going to sum up one of the most simple tenets is you always want to be providing more value than you take in return in any interaction that you had. If you kind of strive for that ideal, you'd be shocked at how many good things happen, but it takes faith. That's the thing is you, you got to like, just be out there doing the right thing for a long time and have faith that it's going to come back your way. Uh, you know, I don't believe in like doing things with zero expectations because then you just don't feed yourself. Um, but there is, there is a certain amount of like, mysticism about it, which, which I really like. And I think that's, you know, people like yourself who, you know, have been effective in sales and business development roles, get that. And usually they're not salesy at all. Like, you know, I don't push anything. In fact, I oftentimes try to push people away from the deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, one of my favorite ones, I'll just spell out, tell people, Hey, well, you know, why don't you sleep on it? And, you know, let's touch page tomorrow. They're like, no, 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 no. I want to send them now. I'm like, you know, I prefer, <laughs> I prefer that you sleep on it, you know, and, yep. uh, and we'll, we'll touch base tomorrow. And they're like, oh, okay. And it always works. And it just reaffirms that you're not going to have to worry about that sale six months from now or two months from now, because they've, they're in, 
you know? Um, so any, anyway, uh, I could talk about that for days, but I want to talk about the financial aspects of the cannabis industry. What is unique about that industry? Because they, we talked, we alluded to it earlier. There's, there's certainly some unique challenges that they're facing at this early stage, but what, what are you seeing as, as the, the big challenges? Yeah. Um, and, and sort of a, a understanding completely that this is a fairly short timer here, but, um, yeah. but read up and, you know, that wasn't an overnight decision joining this team here. Uh, so, um, research and, and, uh, and real world sort of case studies from, from our client base. Um, I mean, the obvious one that every, well, I won't say everybody knows about, but most people tend to think about is the fact that, uh, all of the majority or well, not all, but the majority of businesses, uh, in or related to the cannabis space are largely unbanked. Um, and that's because of the federal, um, statutes, you know, um, still, uh, still criminalizing marijuana. Um, and, and so, and, and only having the legalization, uh, initiatives passed at the set a state by state level, um, you know, commercial, commercial banks are notoriously risk averse anyhow, like any, anybody that spent some time trying to finance anything traditionally in the startup world knows that, um, unless you're like opening a restaurant, which is strange because those have a super high failure rate. And I never understand why they, I guess, cause there's always good collateral that they can lend against, but whatever. Sure. Anyway. Um, so, so these folks are largely unbanked and that's uh, everybody, uh, what we've know, what I've noticed is everybody from the light manufacturing company to the um that that supplies exclusively uh, machining products you know for 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 cannabis processing to uh the the local dispensary on the corner um and and those are generally who people think of are the the pot shops or whatnot but the dispensaries have a hell of a time um even just opening bank accounts and so now they're faced with this you know running around with all this cash um, having to conduct transactions exclusively in cash in most cases. And it's just, it raises, it raises their risk profile, um, as business owners, just, just by having to operate like that. And so we work with our clients to try to help them, help them navigate, um, navigate those banking relationships. We're not magic workers. So, you know, uh, aside from the occasional, community credit union or non FDIC insured entity that's willing to go out on a limb and do that for these folks. You got to kind of get creative with some of their business structures and um, provide every opportunity for them to diversify. It's not unlike, it's really not unlike building out a portfolio of invest investment assets, right? Um, different classes in this case, it'd be, you know, businesses, properties, you know, other things that are, that you can collateralize that can establish relationships that um, make it easier for you as an operator within the cannabis space to do that. So that's, that's the obvious one. Um, and then, but what I will also say is I've noticed, which is kind of our wheelhouse is even it goes so far as the professional services. Um, there are a handful of, and God bless them of um, CPA firms and, and law firms out there that specialize, specialize in cannabis. Yeah, clients, but um, it's still got just enough of a stigma that those folks want to kind of keep away from it um, to a certain extent too. 
and and that makes it doubly tough. So you're already facing a tough banking environment. Now, when you need professional services to help you navigate that, those are those guys are still kind of shy about uh, providing those services to you as well for the same type of reasons. So um, it's it is the wild west. As I said at the opening, um, it, that's the fun part for me and for us in this business is you know if you're willing to if you're willing to go there and you're willing to sort of create the future as we all you know continue to grow into this new normal of legalized uh, cannabis, um, there's some really good opportunities to be found and, and some really great support that you can lend in business owners and great op- entrepreneurs that deserve that kind of support um, that, that I feel good about every night going to bed that we're helping. So, oh, That's great, man. And it's, it's uh, you know, you can find roles in, in business that align with your values. It's just everything goes well. It's just like, you know, this grease in the wheel a hundred times, you know, you just, you get excited about what you're doing that rolls into the conversations you have and, um, you know, the amount of energy that you bring to it. It's, it's a really, it's a really powerful thing. I I know you're just getting into it, but what about like, you know, taxes for let's say dispensaries and things like that? I mean, it seems like, I, I don't know where that is, but it sounds like it's differing a lot per state. Um, what, what does that overall scenario look like? Yeah, I mean that's when you talk about account accounting and specifically, um, it really is a struggle. And especially if if folks are uh, if the clients you're dealing with are either like big MSOs, multi state operations, um, in terms of sort of franchise uh, dispensaries or grow operations and that kind of thing, um, or or they just you know like I said if they're sort of ancillary providers of goods and services to the industry but uh, but operate across jurisdictions, uh, they had a heck of a time trying to navigate the ins and outs of each of these state level statutes. Um, you know, and, and you can even just look at how the how these ballot initiatives are being passed in in many places where there's often it's not just one initiative. Uh, you know, this, these ones that just passed here uh, this fall, um, you know, I, Montana is the obvious one that I'm near and dear to my heart because that's where I live and watched it. But I think South Dakota, too, had there essentially two um, initiatives on the, ballot, on, on the ballot that had to be twinned in order to create the legal structure for, it, for, for people to consume it legally and for it to be taxed. Um, and, and, and regulated. And so it's, there, there's just, if it takes me two initiatives at the same time and each one's a fail point just to get like medical across the ballot and, and approved, it kind of, it, it speaks volumes about exactly how these state legislatures are setting everything up for, uh, you know, businesses and proprietors of those businesses, um, with the, the loops, the hoops they got to jump through. And so, each state is going to be different and each one of those laws is going to require a different finagling um, to make sure you're meeting, meeting all the requirements uh, for that jurisdiction. And so a lot of the accounting firms that do this kind of work and, and certainly our firm um, are going to be, yeah, I mean, it takes a, I wish it were as cut and dried as, as uh, you know, one fell swoop federal legalization uh, law, but uh, that's just not the case right now. And, and frankly, I mean, that's, I guess that's part of the reason people need us. So I shouldn't complain too much about it. Um, we help them navigate all those ins and outs. Yeah. I mean, the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity, right? I mean, it's, it sounds like you're going to be getting a crash course in local politics. 
uh, yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, I know we got the session coming up too. We're we're about to head into the the uh, biennial session here in Montana, um, and you can bet that there's going to be a heck of a lot of lobbying going on right in my backyard, and I'll probably be. I don't know with COVID, but I guarantee I'll be wrapped up in some part of that effort as we uh, seek to um, create positive outcomes and work with our legislature, uh, legislators around the state, especially a conservative state like Montana, um, to ensure the success of the, the, the voters will. So. Yeah. And, and the state did take a massive conservative swing. Um, basically in all fronts in this, in this past November too, is really interesting to see. Yeah. Um, so you know, I, I got more questions about cannabis. So what, just to kind of simplify it down for people. I mean, right now, if, if a dispensary owner, I know it differs state by state or you know, even county by county, um, but they can't put money in the bank, right? Or they can't like, what, what's, what's that specific? Why is it so unique? Well, I, just <laughs> cash handling, I should say. Yeah, well, I mean that's just it. It's it's the the risk profile with straight cash transactions and handling that. What do you do with that cash? Where do you keep it? We've got we've got clients that you know are struggling to establish just a bare minimum bank, banking so they can have ATMs in the shop, and those ATMs are so overutilized that you know they they fill up with cash. I mean, essentially, and and so now they've got to figure out how. Well, okay, so how do I transfer that, or where do we get it? You know, into other accounts, or how do I? You know, it it, it it's very. Uh, I'll say this: um, logistics of that seem to have created an entire cottage industry in like armored transport. It's not something people usually think about, but it's absolutely a piece of the puzzle because it has to be by necessity. So. It's just it's hard to deal with that much, that amount of cash, and given given the the volume of transactions at these places, and that's the thing I think that's been most surprising for me as I've uh, come on board here with the team is um, trying to wrap my head around just how frequented these establishments are, how big their client bases are. You know, and, and we're just talking right now in Montana as of today, still just uh, medical um, card holders are allowed to go to dispensaries. And it, the demand is incredible. Uh, you know, you probably the same in your neck of the woods up there in the Flathead. Um, it seems like there's a new dispensary opening every other day, you know, around town. And I always, before I got into it, was like, you know, I talked to my wife and said, gosh, do I mean, do to feel like we, we're a big enough city to need another one? Like across the street from that one. Um, and what I'm discovering is that answer apparently is yes. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, there's there's a lot of challenges and I, I, it is such a young industry and some things I hope for. I, I hope there is more regulation on it. I hope it's done the right way. I mean, one of the things that does scare me a little bit is the potency of edible cannabis. Um the lack of education around it and the inconsistency from dose to dose, you mm -hmm. know, like a lot of these, um, friend was asking, he's like, so let's, you know, what's the measurement? Is it 10, you know, 10 milligram? I'm like, well, I, I believe that, you know, these, the standard is kind of 10 milligram, but you have to understand that each batch differs greatly. And there's, you know, there's nobody testing each individual one consistently enough to know. So there's, there's a lot around that. Right. 
It, it's a it's a huge point, and and that really is. I mean, I'm not against I'm not against all regulation. I'm I'm for the most needed and positive um, from a from a legitimization standpoint for the the national industry. That kind of regulation. It's just what you're talking about. You know, who is certifying the uh, the the quality of products going out on the market. I, when I hear from other, you know, I'll hear from um, grower dispensers um, in Montana because that's how currently how the, the laws are written. Um, what you sell, you have to grow yourself. So, but I hear about, um, you know, there there are certain folks that that will that complain because they feel they feel as if, you know, they, they focus on, they, they focus heavily on their own QAQC processes internally to guarantee the product, to track it from seed to sale, to, to do all this, you know, very, very specific supply chain management and inventory control. And there are other folks out there that are sort of making hand money hand over fist. Some of their competitors that, that definitely do not have that level of, sophistication nor do they really feel like they need to and that's the that's that gray area where i think you know legislators and and the lawmakers can well, the lawmakers can step in and and put some guardrails up and and create the certifying bodies to ensure public safety um and and that there is adequate quality control and a lot of that will speak to you know when people that vote against stuff like that and they're worried about and kids getting a hold of it and you know uh, the normalization of drug use for underage folks like legitimate concerns and so much of that actually does stem from the fact that you know there's a, there's in a lot of markets a lack of standardized quality control measures and certification of this kind of stuff to ensure that you know um that it's that it's safe and controllable i guess um and, it, and it's not so wild west. I mean, there, there's there's two sides to, to that coin. Um, it's not, it's fun to be in the space and sort of build the future, as I said earlier. But there's also the you know you're always going to have people that take things a little too far or a little too much leeway with how they are um, building their own operations and getting uh, getting as much out of it, perhaps in an, in the window when they can. Uh, without enough regard, I think for for those issues that you just mentioned that we just touched on. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. And um, I mean, really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, like I said, you know, I think it was you know about ten years ago when I walked into the first dispensary, and uh, I was like, "Well, this is going to be crazy," uh, <laughs> you know, because it's just generationally, you know, my parents were. Uh, you know, kind of products of the fifties. And, um, you know, even now my mom in her eighties is like, well, maybe I'll, you know, try some CBD and then I'll try. And my dad, before he passed, he had uh, tremors in his hand. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that would really help was CBD. And here's a guy who, you know, um, you know, grounded me for two months for a joint that he found when I was like 17. Right. And now it's like, yeah. oh, this is an interesting role reversal. My dad's asking me for, you know, a weed derivative. Um, so it's just, it's a really interesting time. Um, you know, one of the things I want to touch on, because I think it's, it's something that we both agree on and we're, we're pretty excited about is, you know, why for you, you know, do you see 2020 as such a great time to throw in your hat into the entrepreneurial ring? 
Yeah, I felt like this ever since the uh, ever since the curtain, the pandemic curtain kind of dropped on us last spring. I, you know, maybe wishful thinking, but I like to, you know, uh, I like to think I, I well, I try. I know I try to be an optimist and see the silver linings in these things. And adversity is a growth opportunity. And if if the whole world is getting shaken to its core. Whether you agree with any of the measures or anything about it or any of the politics surrounding it or or not, we can all, I think, agree that there's a ma- this massive shakeup uh, that we're still living through, and it is happening, and it's and it's the paradigm shift, and it's uncomfortable, and at least for now, it's not getting any better. If if you're if you're shaking the etch a sketch, like. Well, why not then? What start that business out of the kitchen? You're not going anywhere anyway, depending on where you live. Um, you know, take take the leap of faith. Um, I, that was always the hardest part for me leaving the corporate job uh, back in in the in I guess in the early teens. Um, but was was really that taking that final step? And everybody talks about it, so it is. It's again, it's a little cliched, but having having the the fortitude to to take that burn the boat step and and actually just go for it um there really isn't a better time in my opinion than right now when everything is so chaotic and in flux there are the next titans of of the economy um private sector companies are being created and already among us walking among us right now and i'm super stoked to see how that shakes out and how the incumbents are going to deal with them because uh, this crazy level of adversity not only provides you opportunities as entrepreneurs to do that, but it really fuels you. It provides the fire to go out and look at things in a completely orthogonal type way, you know, to borrow a popular sort of Silicon Valleyism there, like come at it from an, an unexpected angle and see things that no one's seen before and certainly are easier for you to see now because of, because of the light that we're all sort of being shown in. Um, so I'm, I'm stoked and I'm happy that I get to sort of get back into the startup game in the midst of all this chaos. Um, it's just, it's a hell of a growth opportunity. And even if you don't succeed like that, you and I talked about it originally when we connected, just the fact that you get to try and, and even if you don't hit home runs, you're going to take so much away and, and, and so much learning and enjoyment and wisdom and, and despair, but life, you're going to take so much life away from your own unique entrepreneurial journey um, that I couldn't encourage anybody strong, more strongly to, to just make the leap because it's, it's going to be rewarding. You don't have to be Elon Musk for, to realize amazing gains in your personal and professional uh, life by throwing in as an entrepreneur and especially in this climate. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree, man. And, and you know, kind of distill what you're saying. And, and from my point of view too, is that we're seeing a huge forced and accelerated shift in consumer behavior and needs. Yeah. And anytime you get that, uh, what entrepreneurs don't thrive on is status quo. Hate right. it. Hate it. And, uh, you know, I, I've been involved in the fitness industry for a very long time and I was honestly kind of on my way out, you know, I was making steps to just, you know, start working with other types of businesses out of the fitness industry. And then in 2020 in the COVID time, that industry got shook to its core and it still is, you know, it's, it's going to be way different. And once again, I got really excited. I was like, this is it. This is finally this 
old model is cracking. And I mean that with utmost sympathy. I used to be a gym owner. I just got lucky with the timing in which I sold. Um, but that's a tough industry to be in and the one-on-one in-person training. And then all of a sudden you're seeing these companies like, um, you know, obviously Peloton and Tonal and Mirror and, yeah, Mirror you know, tons of money. Uh, well, they got Lulu, Lulu, yes, uh, right. invest, yeah. yeah, Lululemon invest in them. And so for me, it was like, well, now this is the point I've been waiting for and, and, you know, finding opportunities to align myself with where I think the consumer needs are shifting is really exciting. And you're right. I mean, it doesn't have to be some big tech play either. You know, I was, uh, shout out to, uh, SBG jujitsu here in, in the Flathead Valley and, uh, Kisa, I was, you know, going through an intro with one of their instructors there. And, you know, he's like, well, you were talking about what I do. I'm like, well, you know, I do some mentorship for entrepreneurs. And he's like, oh man, he's like, I've been told I make the best chocolate chip cookies and that I should make. <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, you right. should go for it. Like if your cookies are that good, you know, sure. There's a lot of people, you know, right now and in, in, you know, the lockdowns who are honing their baking skills, but why not? Like go for it. You know, if it's, if you believe in it, try it because you know what, here's the end of the day. 10 years from now, if you regret not having tried, then you're not doing yourself any justice. You might as well try. Absolutely. Well, and it always, to build on everything that that you're saying, I'm reminded of the uh, the 100 true fans, you know, quote from Kevin Kelly, which I won't butcher off, you know, from memory here. But essentially, like, it's never been easier to find your 100 true fans and, you know, use your your highest and best self and most creative self to create something for the market maybe it's a knowledge product on the on the internet maybe it's cookies maybe it's you know i don't know i don't know but everything is so uh desegregated now that like it, we can you can just move in just about any direction and probably find an audience and if you if you just game out the numbers, if you look at your model and you figure and you work backward from what you need and then, you know, and build a, a goal, a lot of times you end up finding out that it's super achievable and it's not some pie in the sky, you know, crazy wing and a prayer vision. It's totally a doable lifestyle design type choice. You just, but you gotta, you gotta just put the building blocks in place and make it approachable. You know, eat the elephant one bite at a time to continue mixing metaphors here. But I don't know, I, this craziness coupled with the ultimate maturation of the Internet, um, having watched it from its real consumer inception when I helped my mother in 92 set up her home office and her AOL accounts, like <laughs> watching it, <laughs> watching it grow and become this crazy beast it is today, some good, some bad, of course, but the, just the reach is astounding. And so, yeah, if you can find that tribe, find your audience, find your, your hundred true fans, um, you could probably make it work and you'll probably be a hell of a lot happier just for doing yeah. it. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Yeah. It's funny. I'm just, I just, uh, went back into a memory of my first, uh, experience with prodigy and, uh, <laughs> nice. yes. my, my first pen pal from like somewhere far across the globe. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, yeah. Well, great topics, man. Great, great insight. I really appreciate you coming on and giving me some education or audience education on, you know, what the cannabis industry is doing from the financial side. I think it's, uh, 
you know, it's a huge opportunity to help a lot of people who help a lot more people. So it sounds like it's a pretty exciting space for you. And, um, yeah, man, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us all the info. Where do, um, where do people find you? Where, where do you send people, man? Give us the goods. Sure. Um, as I said, we're in the middle of a rebranding, um, but for the immediate sort of, uh, future, you can find, uh, our company and services at QB solutions.net is our website. And, um, you know, personally you can, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty social guy. Um, I'm not quite as out there as I used to be as far as just, you know, providing unsolicited opinions to the world, but I always love interacting with folks. So go, uh, go look me up on Facebook if you want. Um, I think I'm Andrew Gordon on there. Yeah. Well, at any rate, um, if you want to hit me on Twitter, do that. My, it's sort of a, it's, it's sort of corny, but uh, I love it. It's, it's an old school little handle. Um, I'm at Montrepreneurs. So like entrepreneur, except for Montana. So, nice. and then it's plural. Um, somebody else beat me to the singular, but I kind of like it because I get to sort of rep all of us up here in big sky country with, with the, with the plural entrepreneurs. So, um, you can always hit me up there. Oh, and LinkedIn, go find me on LinkedIn. I spend so much of my day on there and some people hate it. I happen to love it. It's got its, uh, it pros and its cons, but, um, I, I love connecting with folks on LinkedIn. That's how you and I connected up. So obviously we're fans. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn and when don't, and I did this, don't use automation on LinkedIn people. Please just yeah. stop, and uh, and then we can be friends. Yeah. So well, don't try and, and please stop trying to sell me on the first time. <laughs> yeah, I just want an authentic relationship. I don't want to be pitched. Yeah, tell yeah. me about like your favorite instead. Like your first message to me should be like, what What are you super excited about this week? What's the greatest news you've heard lately? You know, if it's chocolate chip cookies, if it's astronomy, like tell me something cool like that and, and we'll be friends and I might end up buying from you. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well said. Well, Andy, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, Andy Gordon. You bet, Eric. Thanks so much, man. My ple pleasure is all mine. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it. Whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast. 
and you can expect a lot more from us.